You know how we do, baby. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Can I sing again? Rolling, 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 rolling. There you go. <laughs> Done. What's the week been saying? The week has been quiet this week. I uh, I told you last week, didn't I? I had a, a really strange, I get these really strange migraines every so often called ocular migraines. I'll tell, tell you about those in a little bit. But I got one last Sunday. I haven't had one for a couple of years. And they almost, um, a bit like a warning signal for me to slow down and stop. And they're, they're weird in a way in that they, they're kind of very visual ocular migraines and they're quite rare apparently. And what happens is you get this very, very strange visual and then you get this sort of very slow headache come on and then it goes away after about two hours. Um, but what it does for me is it tells me that uh, I'm probably a little bit stressed, a little bit tired, and it's just basically signaling to me to, to slow down. It generally happens in school holidays, um, and this week has been the Easter holidays, so it was mm -hmm. I wasn't going to work anyway, but it just it tells me that, yeah, you're doing the right thing by resting and slowing down. So I have literally done nothing this week. Um, mm -hmm. I've sat on the sofa and I've watched TV, which has been quite hard for me, um, and, and done as little as I can. Obviously, being a mother, that's quite tricky, but um, I've done as, as little as I possibly can, and it's helped. I feel a lot better, and that's generally how it goes. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I've done no work, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good. And, and um, I'm actually, like, not nutrition-wise, I haven't been as strict as I normally have, um, and I've been okay with it all, actually. Mm. I've been... I've been but I could have got really panicked about, oh my God, you've had like Easter chocolate and you've had roasts and you've had all this stuff and you haven't really been tracking anything. But actually I've just been like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. I just, mm. I needed to do it. Not think about every single meal and what's gonna happen. Like, I, 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 do you prep your meals like I prep my meals? Do you meal prep or yeah, you do? Yeah, most of the week, yeah. You're the same. Um, yeah, yeah, like actually I wanna ask you, is that if a couple of years ago was the last time you had uh, the ocular headache, mm. how often were they happening? How regularly were they happening prior to that? So I think I've only had three or four in my time, <clears throat> but they, uh, so the one happened a couple of years ago and they, and then one before that, maybe a year. And then one before, before that was six months. So they don't happen very often, mm. but as lots of people have pointed out to me, they are rare, but lots of people have heard of them and they were like, that's a stress signal that's like your body's very tense and tight um right. i actually did id uh one of the uh, immaculate dissection courses around the time that i had one i think i was doing i think it was the neck and upper body and kathy said that can be because of a a, a kind of a, a the way your head is positioned and the way your neck muscles mm -hmm. are positioned and it was true I, I was kind of out like that and uh and, and i tilted yeah, the head was tilted. And so she did some pendulums on me, which are where you basically pin one of the areas and you move the head, the the muscles within the neck and the head through their range of motion, basically. And that does really help. And I can feel it like I can feel the tightness from last week. But often that tightness is from potentially stress-related things where I'm clenching my jaw and got my shoulders up. So this week it was just about relaxing, not worrying about training or nutrition and just taking it easy. And I feel a lot better now. Like I, I feel yeah, less, less tight around my shoulders and my neck and I just 
I feel a lot better for resting. And I might even do a few more days, to be honest, um, of, uh, of, of just, yeah, just looking after myself. Yeah, cool. That's good. So that's, is that like the one sign that you have where you're like, okay, I'm pushing myself too far? There's that, yes. Um, mm. Definitely. Like when that comes on, that's, that's a big signal. But other things that happen to me is when I'm training, I can't, my heart rate's all over the show. So what I know when I'm about to burn out properly, uh, my heart rate tends to go all over the show and it, it just stays elevated for quite a long time. Um, mm. I get more breathless and I'm just phenomenally exhausted. When I'm, yeah, when I'm about to hit burnout, which often happens towards the end of the school year, around July, um, when I've been really going for it with sessions and it's just all the other stuff around it, I tend to... I just hit a level of exhaustion that I can't get out of. Um, mm. And and I find it hard to focus within my sessions. There's a lot of that. And I just find training phenomenally hard. And I know that when I start hitting that where I really don't want to train, that I've started to like, head into burnout land. Um, mm. So, yeah. So it's yeah. that you just shut down and you stop. It's like I know we've talked in past podcasts about how I find it really hard to rest and and – uh, take time out to rest and I feel guilty but when my body does that it's like no nah, everything else just stops and I, I just shut down for a little bit and I stop doing what I'm doing hmm. yeah okay and um, is it like when, when you're talking about the heart rate is it something that you just feel through interoception or you are like tracking it I'm tracking it and it just stays elevated I, you yeah. know um so it'll it'll stay up within the 180s and that's no good for me so um yeah i i don't I, I don't like it even though i feel fine it's like when my heart rate's constantly elevated around 185 186 i'm like no 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 that mm -hmm. that can't be at that rate um yeah. so i, I yeah because I'm, I'm quite good at getting my heart rate down like yeah. when i stop and recover my heart rate comes down quite quickly which i'm sure it does with you um, but when I'm in stages of where I'm starting to hit burnout, that doesn't happen as well. It just, it won't come down as quickly. Um, and then that makes me nervous. Like I start to get panicky because I can see it on my, my heart rate monitor or whatever. And then that makes it, it makes it worse. So then I'm like, no, stop, just stop everything. Just come down, just rehydrate and, uh, and rest, sleep yeah. as much as yeah, I can. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I've been doing is, sorry, go on. No, go on. I was just going to say, I've been sleeping in this week a lot because I can, but um, that's that's been really cool to be able just to have that time where I'm not having to get up at 6am every single day and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, get, get everyone up and out. So mm -hmm. that's a really important thing. Like, if you can rest and get beyond the time and schedule that you have to get up, that makes a huge difference for me anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're just catching up on rest. You just keep mm. letting, it, letting it happen. Yeah. That's, um, um, so, that's, so that's interesting. Like, if you didn't wear a heart rate monitor, would you, what would be the telltale sign for you? Would you be able to detect, like, okay, I can feel mm -hmm. like my heart is pumping hard in yeah. my chest? Or would there be, uh, so there's the recovery element as well. He's like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. just not recovering as much. Or, yeah. Uh, would your rate of perceived exertion go up as well? I think it would probably go monitor? up. Yeah, I think the RP would go up. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I would recover as quickly. I'm just trying to think, like, if you're doing some sort of hit or, uh, like, stair circuit, I do a lot of, like, running up and down stairs and things like that. I just don't think I would recover as quickly. Um, 
I think I'd start to feel anxious and panicky. Now, generally, when I'm overworked, that's that's my almost like my go-to feeling is that I feel anxious and panicky and I can't breathe as well. Um, mm. I don't feel in that kind of calm, but what is it where you're in that kind of calm but hyped up state where what you probably know it better than me alert and calm thank Mm -hmm. you um I don't feel like that I just feel like yeah everything's just kind of another thing that happens to me is it's almost like I feel like a strobe's going off in my body and I can't Mm -hmm. it's like it it just feels uncomfortable and agitated so when Mm -hmm. that starts to happen especially when I'm training that's signaling me that it's all Mm -hmm. getting a little bit too much for me yeah cool so yeah I'm getting I'm trying to get to the heart of that as well because it's about signals mm-hmm. that you can pay attention to when you know yeah. you're not performing as well as you could be. Yeah. Um, or rather, these are signals you need to pay attention to to remind to say to yourself, okay, I'm, I need to take a break or I need to mm-hmm. relax. I need to chill out. I need to not do the level of intensity that I'm doing yeah. um, and I'm currently going at. So that's what I wanted um, people to kind of pick up on is like, yeah. hey, here's, here's some examples of what you can pay attention to within your own body so that you know that okay you're you're redlining a little bit because you want to build up that sense of self-awareness that interoception so you can pay attention Mm. to the cues that your body is giving you and also start labeling them as well like understanding what those cues are by labeling them in the way that you've done is okay anxious um uh, is is a big one that anxiety is like okay i know i'm feeling anxious you know so if you say like okay how am i actually feeling during this workout you go oh it's, it's a little bit of anxiety kicking in mm. then you go right that doesn't normally happen something's up and um i think that's important and you know it's pretty cool to because uh, uh with rate of perceived exertion as well sometimes uh that's that's an interesting one there's there's a bit mm. of variety, a variety in there because you can feel like your effort level is the same as normal but your heart rate let's use that as the example just starts to go through the roof and mm. i can testify to that and a recent example as well where like a little while back i was feeling a bit run down and i was like, okay i'm just gonna rest and uh, that's my thing is like i rest it off and then um, I'm fine again. So like within about, about 48 hours, it usually takes. But then the day after, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go for a run again. And then I go for the run and it's my like normal pace. It's pretty, it's a relatively relaxed pace. I'm trying to stay in like a 70 to 80% um, max of my maximum heart rate in that mm-hmm. zone to work the cardio zone. And I track that, right? So I'm like looking at uh, the data on my phone to make sure that I'm not pushing it too much. Yeah. So the pace that I was going at, which I know keeps me generally in that range, uh, this time around, I was pushing 180 beats per minute each time. So mm. I'm in that 90 to 100% of my heart rate category. But mm. I was like, I don't feel like I'm putting in that much effort. What the hell's going yeah. on? So um, I felt like I was doing my normal level of effort, but my heart was just working way, way harder than it's used to, uh, supposed to be in, in, that, uh, in that level mm. of... Um, effort that I'm putting in and it was just basically because I wasn't fully recovered yet right and yeah. my body was like, oh you're not ready to do it at the level that you you normally do so my heart rate was just at a jacked up level and um so then wasn't because I'm getting this live data so I'm looking at my phone yeah and picking up on um uh, what my heart rate is saying I'm confused I'm like I don't feel like I'm working that hard I mean yeah. the level of breathlessness that would take for me to be working at that level is just it's just not there so what the hell's going on so then 
I started paying attention to some other things. I was like, you know, sometimes what happens to me is I can actually start feeling my heart beating harder and it kind of feels like it's in my throat right here. Mm. So, so I'm like, okay, I must be pushing a certain level, um, which is not where I think I'm at, but that's where my body is at. If it feels like I'm getting that kind of sensation where my heart is beating through my throat, then I'm going too hard. So mm. what I did was I was okay, I just don't want, second thing I did was I want to make sure that it's not a problem with my uh, measurement, <laughs> the thing that measures for me, which is I use whoop um, and get the heart rate variability data. And um, so I just slowed down, I just stopped and I just walked and I got my heart rate back down to a respectable level. Uh, just what I'd get when I'm walking, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back up again, we're going to go slow and then I'm going to keep it at the rate that I'm used to. But then it just went back up to um, that high 170s and then 180. And I was like, mm -hmm. right, yeah, okay. So this is like, it went back to a level where I would expect it to be when I'm walking. Mm -hmm. And when I started running and putting a little bit more exertion on my body, it was like, nah, you, no, you're, you're, you're going to work harder than you're used to today because you're just not physically there for it yet. Your body, mm -hmm. my body was um, not prepared uh, to, uh, it was, yeah, it wasn't prepared to work at that level. Uh, it, it, need, it needed to work harder to be training at the same level that it's used to mm -hmm. because it just was still a little bit run down. And, and that was interesting. So there was that difference between how much effort I feel like I'm putting in and what the data was actually telling me. So I had to try and pay attention to other things that were yeah. going on, which the, me, for me, the biggest giveaway was, okay, I feel like my heart is being a bit harder through the chest or is coming up into my throat, mm -hmm. right? I need to, I need to slow it down a little bit. So there's, uh, there's things that you want to pay attention to about your body so that you know that you're redlining it. And if you continue doing that, you're going to crash hard and you're going to need to take a week, 10 days off. And, you know, for most people, that's just not uh, possible. It's just, you don't want to be doing that because, you know, life doesn't, um, life won't stop everything. No. We can't stop. So we want to notice that we're approaching that level and then taper things right down and go, okay, I'm just going to go at 50% of the effort level so I can keep things moving forward, but not screw myself up and then mm -hmm. ramp it back up again when I start to feel better for it. Definitely. And um, just why, well, what you were saying about how you track stuff, I think that's a really important thing to talk about as well. It's like you track stuff. I used to have Whoop as well. I don't have Whoop at the moment, but it's a really useful tool to have some sort of way of tracking your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your sleep, your respiration, but also when you're training as well, I think it's a really useful tool to have. Yes, your rate of perceived exertion, which is you, how you feel within your body, your interoception, but actually having a tool, which I think most people have access to or could get access to, to see what their heart rate's doing, to know what sort of range they need to be in. I think that's a, it's a really valuable tool because if you are trying to push yourself or if you are coming back into exercise after recovery, like you were just saying, it's useful to know that, oh, you feel, or you're doing the same amount, but you're feeling, was it you're doing the same amount, but you're feeling more exertion or the other same, way around? Yeah, it was like same pace. I know I know the distance that I'm tra training, um, the, the, that I'm running. I know the, the pace that I'm going at mm. because it's telling me there. And I know what that pace usually correlates to in terms of my heart rate level. And it was um, a lot higher than normal.
you were just struggling more. Um, so I think that's a really useful tool to have for anyone starting training in the middle of training. I'm sure people that, that do train anyway have some form of um, thing that they can refer to uh, using your phone, heart rate monitor, anything. But if you don't, it's definitely something to consider when you are training, even if, it, even if it is you're doing breath work or Pilates or yoga or whatever it is that you're doing or strength training, it's a valuable tool to have because you can see what your body's doing and how it's coping with what you're doing. Um, and if you are looking at stepping up your training or doing things like HIIT or martial art or running or anything like that, it's really valuable to see how you're coping with that sort of training and that sort of intensity as well. Um, and I think if you are experienced, like, yes, I can tell, much like you, there is there is a level of, I just feel, I suppose for me, it's like I start to feel anxious, but maybe that is me feeling that my heart is coming up into my throat and I don't like that feeling. So it, it manifests as a bit of anxiety in me. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think it's valuable to know when to rest as well or to take it yeah. down. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people. I know a lot, a lot of people I know that train don't like taking it down and don't like resting mm. and 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 yeah. hate having to do that. But and I, I'm one of them. It's like I I dislike not having to train or that the fact that I can't train. But this week it was like, no, nah, just don't do it. Don't even try. Just yeah. just rest, and you're going to come out of that stronger for sure. Mm. Um, exactly. So, something else that I was thinking about when you said stuff oh that was it I think it's just the whole mindset around training as well it's like we're used to training at a certain level mm -hmm. um and as I was just saying a lot of pe other people are used to training at a certain level um and it is having to change that mindset a little bit isn't it as well mm -hmm. around that and um yeah. dialing it down yeah, you've got to be more flexible. And that's something that I've used to find really hard is to be flexible around my training. Like, no, I've got to train, I've got to do that. But I think nowadays I'm like, if you miss a week, it's not a problem. Yeah. Your body and your health and, and you being able to work is more important than smashing out 5K, 10K, whatever it is, or prepping for whatever. So yeah. I think it is just having that mindset, that flexible mindset around training as well and knowing that you can't do everything sometimes and that yeah. other things take priority and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and what you said about tracking there earlier is, um, is, is useful because you're getting objective data so that you can mm. measure, match that up with your subjective feeling as well. Because yeah. sometimes, like, like I've shown there, it's like what I'm feeling isn't necessarily what my body's actually going through. Yeah. And by um, matching that objective data up with our subjective feeling, or um, you can start to uh, get a better awareness of your body as well. Like what does mm -hmm. it actually go through? So it, it taught me to dig deeper to understand what's actually going on with my body is okay well on my normal level of effort um uh like sorry in the effort level that i was putting in didn't match up with the effort level my body was actually uh, sorry the effort level that i thought i was putting in what i was mm. feeling did not match up with the effort level that my body was actually going through and uh, there was a disconnect so when i could see that in real time it forced me to dig deeper because I'm generally, I would say I'm pretty in tune with what's happening with my body. Mm -hmm. So when I noticed that, I was like, okay, no, I need to pay a little bit more attention because I'm not breathless. I don't feel like this run is harder than it normally is. Um, so what's actually going on? And so it just forced me to pay attention to what's going on in my body a little bit more so mm -hmm. that I've got 
internally an extra data point that I can uh, rely on to go, hey, here's, generally you're feeling good, but here's a marker which is suggesting that is not doing so well. So if I didn't have the, uh, the live data in front of me, that feed in front of me, mm-hmm. then I would have been like, oh, I would have been fine. It was like a normal training session, but really I'd redlined Actually, it the whole no. way through. Yeah. yeah. And then probably would have worked and I'm feeling a little bit more broken the mm. next day. And uh, my effort level was um, way higher than I perceived it to be. So when you start to marry that, the, the two of them up, you start to get a much better sense of when you need to dial it down and when you should be ramping it up. And uh, that's really, really helpful information because otherwise you can just be like, hey, I'm always feeling good. But really mm, your heart's working actually, out 190 no. during every workout exactly. and you're redlining every time and you're going to have a massive crash and you're going to keep going through that cycle of crashing, ramping up, crashing, ramping up, crashing, ramping up. Yeah. And that's not that's not a healthy cycle to be in because as, um, as much as uh, as much as the uh, like, you know, we talk about stress. And uh, there's that balance between getting the right level, like the right level of stress from exercise. Like exercise is a good stress, but if you push it beyond that threshold that you're capable of handling in that moment, it ends up being a bad stress. And then Definitely. people tend to do that a lot, especially types of people who are all about like pushing themselves, pushing themselves, pushing mm. themselves. You get to, you, you push yourselves constantly like that your body's always redlining it and then it's actually the exercise is having a negative effect on your overall health because you're overtrained basically definitely and i think that's why something like whoop is really really useful when i did and i love whoop and and i probably will get it again at some point when um yeah when i can and what i found really interesting is that i would wake up and think that i've had a good night's sleep and whoop would often tell me differently and, and at first it would be like, oh man, that's really annoying. Like, but actually I used to find that data really, uh, really useful because it's like, why haven't I slept well? And that would change my training for the day. And, and mm. that would be useful for me because actually it is that warning signal that, yeah, you haven't rested as well as you thought and you haven't slept as deeply as you thought you had. You haven't had as much REM sleep as you thought you had. So be careful how much strain you take on today. Be careful how much training you do today. I mean, sometimes you can't help it. Like if I was marathon training, then tough. Like, you know, you're just going to have to like push through it. But it would make you more mindful of the sort of thing that you were about to do. Um, yeah. And maybe you take it a little bit easier through that that long run. Or maybe you wouldn't do, I don't know, your, what you were intending to do. Or maybe you would just rest a little bit more during your day. So I think that having in particular whoop um just over any other data was was really useful for me and i really like that respiratory stuff that they have as well that was always Mm. a really useful thing because often it would tell you potentially if there was maybe an illness coming or something like that because it would often shoot up wouldn't it if your your respiratory rate if, if you were if you were starting to feel poorly it would it would basically up about a couple of points wouldn't it um it's like if you if you're getting um well they might they're using um, they're using the respiratory analysis along with um, as a predictive tool for COVID. COVID, yeah, so, that's really yeah, interesting. So it's like, yeah, so it's more like if you get a bit more of a severe illness, mm. like you can get a cold, but you, you know, your respiratory illness, like 
it doesn't jump significantly. It's more about yeah. a significant jump, and then it tells you that something serious, like, something serious is coming. Yeah, something is something is up. Um, so yeah, that's what's really interesting about it. Is um, if that jumps by a bit, then you're like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> um, I want a minute. And then you match that. Yeah, you match that with low HRV, so basically lower stress tolerance to stress, and um, and a higher heart rate, and then that's mm. like <laughs> the holy trinity of. I need to fucking rest. <laughs> yeah, or the, that, that there's your warning. And I, I wish mm. I'd had the whoop when I think I potentially had COVID. I would love to have seen whether there would have been that big jump in respiratory because, mm. good God, I was ill. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's when, that was also, yeah, it's funny because uh, that's not when they were making a big deal out of tracking. No. And they realized, hey, it might have some predictive mm. uh, benefits. So then they started putting it into the information um uh, user interface that you could see yeah and um but uh, but yeah some interesting stuff i think like basically the night or two nights before i started getting symptoms i had a rock bottom recovery so i was in the right. red zone and my heart rate was super high when uh, oh. bearing in, bearing in mind that the heart rate with whoop is taken in in the deepest like in your last five minutes of deep sleep that it calculates right okay so when you're sleeping is your heart rate's lower as well. You're lying down and yeah. generally speaking, it's, it's going to be lower. So mm. it was, it was pretty, pretty freaking high. And, um, and then, yeah, a couple of days later, I was like, okay, I feel like I've got, I've got symptoms now. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, so, so yeah. So when I see that combination, I'm like, uh Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> I need to, I need to mm. chill or I've done something, um, which doesn't isn't conducive to good recovery for me like if i eat late eat a lot yes. of food especially oh late, that's a you, big one isn't it well? yeah massive yeah. yeah yeah i can see it like my heart oh, rate goes up and my shit. hrv goes down and i just yeah. have worse quality sleep it's uh, it's incredible so um yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's an incredible incredible thing is like without fail every mm. time i'm like just stop yeah. doing that to yourself <laughs> But that's life. That's, I don't think as long as you know, and you know that if you have like snacks late at night or yeah. you're out or whatever, you know that that's going to happen and that's fine. And then that can prepare you so that, you know, next day that maybe you aren't going to take on as much training or whatever it is. But um, yeah, yeah, I know that yeah, that's a big like, one for yeah, me. It's a time and a place, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think you can be like, no, it's like, I know if I go to bed too late. Or I got, you know, I'm very strict about my bedtime. If I go, if I surpass that and go to bed really late, that's it. You can kiss mm. goodbye to any good whoop um, tracking data. Cool. So yeah. yeah, it's just it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have not recovered at all, and your HIV yeah. is like HIV is what ten. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's just, that's the way it is. So, mm -hmm. but it is good. And do you did you read about the guy that had the the whoop tracker and um, he noticed like that his HIV just dropped suddenly and his respiratory went up and his heart it was going mental then it was it was signaling that he was quite young he was about 32 or something and mm. he was about to have a heart attack yeah, and yeah, because yeah, he yeah. noticed his stats i i was just mm. I thought it was amazing that he he went to hospital because he was like now nah, something's off it, it, you know, i'm reading my data and it it doesn't seem right and yeah. isn't that incredible that he basically yeah. admitted himself to hospital because he saw his stats and was like something's up and he yeah. saved himself yeah. basically yeah exactly. that's amazing yeah, yeah this like you know that's the that's the power of having that kind of data in your hands yeah i want it again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly get on it it's um, yeah it makes uh yeah it makes a difference it makes a difference to have that kind of stuff it just tells you you know what's going on within you but yeah. uh, ultimately <laughs> it's also you, you don't want to be like 
waking up in the morning and basing your day so extremely on what the day is telling you. No, it I can't know. Be a case of, yeah, it can't be a case of like, oh crap, I've got like a 20% recovery today. I'm just not going <laughs> to. I was doing that gonna... a bit though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it happens, right? It happens. You just look at it. And, uh, and like, you know, especially because, so when everything was open and we'd be doing a wrestling class on a Sunday yeah. with, uh, with Sylvie's, like two hours of intense workout, right? So Ooh. I'd be so disappointed if I woke up with a, in a red recovery. I was like, oh man, I'm going to suck today. Oh and, yeah, that's uh, exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And exactly. lo and behold, but, you would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you would, and you would feel it, but it's also like, okay, you know, just make that judgment call. It's like, cause I know I'm not going to be training that hard in the red all the time. It's just like, all right, I'm just going to do it anyway. I just need, yeah, I'm going to, it's part of the plan. Um, so yeah, it's kind of understand it show you gives you an understanding of where you're at and you should make some better judgments based off of what it gives you and then also you start to learn more about how the data matches up with how you're feeling and then so you can start to make even better calls about what you should be doing with yourself and what you should be doing with your body um but that also doesn't mean it's like oh crap i got 20 percent i'm just gonna lie in bed all day exactly note your training and note that if you're finding yeah. training harder potentially that's why yeah and it's yeah. fine and, yeah yeah and that would and that would happen as well it's like sometimes it's a strange one is like you'd wake up you're like oh, i feel like you know i woke up kind of naturally didn't have to rely yeah. on anything feel like i'll be bounce oh crap it's telling and me then you look at whoop and you're like oh yeah. Shit. How is, yeah i'm like shut up yeah, you're <laughs> lying to me it's like shut i want to listen to you i want to push it today but uh, yeah exactly but then it gets like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, ah, oh, I'm actually kind of spent. <laughs> it was, it was, it was actually right. It just foresaw what, yeah, was, what was about to happen. Yeah. But, uh, but then, yeah, but then there is the odd, odd time where it's like, no, actually, I do genuinely feel okay. Yeah. And go for a bit of a training session. I was like, yeah, it didn't go, it didn't go bad. Um, it didn't, the, the, it didn't represent. But it's again, that's very, very rare. I've been using yeah. it for a long time now. Yeah. So I've got a lot of experience and and data with it so it's just in most pretty much like it's very very clever it will tell yeah. you i think it's not wrong right. it's just yeah. it's just it is what it is so mm. yeah. yeah i mean like it's, it's, sometimes it can be because just how you wear it you know you got oh, those okay. anomalies as well like yeah. <laughs> it happened once where um because you know i was what in the shower you wash it and then uh, but i and then i took it off and i put it to the side but it still had water on the sensors so the sensors thought that it was strapped to me because it was just something that it had which was triggering them to go off yeah and uh, then like 15 minutes later um it goes oh we've just recorded a we've recorded an elevated heart rate um and his um and we think it's a workout just tell us uh, what you did and like you know put put in the workout that he did looked at it, it was like average heart rate 200 beats per minute for like 15 <laughs> minutes straight and i went oh shit what the hell was this and i realized it's because you know i didn't clean the sensor off properly and just left uh. this thing lying there while i was showering and then it just uh, gave me this wild reading and i got like a strain level of like a ridiculously high strain level but the thing is it keeps that data recorded he can't delete the can't heart delete rate data. So yeah. it's like it's showing up as like I've had like a 15 or a 16 strain level day out of like 21 strains. So that's a pretty high, it's a, it's a high strain. Yeah. And it's basically saying I'm pushing my body a lot. I didn't. I just left some water on it. So there's people out there who could, you know, like if yeah. they're wearing it on their trainer's behest and they're, and, <laughs> just like that. And they're like, you know, 
yeah, just drop it into water or just like strap it to your dog and then just like let it go for a run. And uh, but why? Just, There's like, that oh, pointless though, isn't it? That's pointless. There's no <laughs> yeah, point exactly. of that. Yeah, you just you're just not gonna you're not gonna get away with it. One of my clients one of my clients always says to me, it's funny because like you know I meet my clients twice a week and uh, one of them always goes to me, um, like you know he, he's he's making progress, making progress, making progress, and he just goes, "Fuck's sake, man! I just know that every time I come to a session." You'll know if I haven't done anything, so I got to do it. Oh, do you <laughs> look at like, his whoop stats? Do you, do you, do you no, no, no. To... Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. This isn't related to this isn't related okay. to whoop. This is more like um, just like lying to yourself, right? It's like if oh, you were yes. if you were strapping a, a whoop to a dog and letting it go for a run and being like, yeah, yeah, just uh, <laughs> just <laughs> see, uh, you know, you, like, if it's if, because you're doing it and working with someone and you're just like, I don't want to give them oh, bad no. data. I just yeah. I want to say that I'll be doing, you know, it's like the extreme level of just like lying to somebody for accountability. It's um, but yeah, but he comes into sessions. He's like, you know, I just I just know that if I don't do it, you'll know. He's like, I can't go like I could probably get away with maybe not doing it for a week. But if it's two <laughs> weeks and nothing's changed, I know you'll know is that you just look at me, you'll know something's up. So yeah. I just can't get, I can't, can't get away with not doing this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. I just want to, and he says it to me, his voice, I just want to cheat. I want to cheat all the time, but I'm not going to, because I know you'll know. <laughs> that's the thing, like, I, yeah. that's brilliant. I get a lot of people coming in and going, I've done nothing. I'm really sorry, I've done nothing. It's like proper <laughs> yeah. confession time. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I, I didn't do any of the exercises, I'm really sorry, and I'm like, yeah. Fine. Don't worry. It's okay. Um, yeah, that's exactly. what happens. Life happens. It's okay. But it is. It's so good, like confession time. I haven't done anything. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Chill. You're cool. It's all right. I, I think a lot of that is to do, well, a lot of it is to do with the, the old school mentality or like the old school um, stereotype of what personal trainer is, right? It's like, you know, it's just somebody who's like, if you, like do this or get out, go hard or go home. And it's like, yeah, cracking the whip. There we go. Exactly. Always cracking a whip. Yeah. And um, whereas, you know, there's this, it's more of a shift at least, you know, the way we approach it is like, it's a coaching approach. You're not like yeah. instructing yeah. and forcing anybody to do anything. It's like, hey, how much does this mean to you? And all, everything that comes with that. Yeah. And um, all right, I'm going to help you be accountable. And um, don't like, if you're coming at me like it's a confession, it's like, okay, well, we need to, we need to figure out why you feel like it's a confession, right? It's like, yeah. what's gone on so that... So I'm uh, not like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, what, what's gone on so that you haven't, yeah, why you haven't done this thing? How can we then... It's it's a learning curve, right? It's, it's first of all, it's considered like it's always bad, uh, a, a bad behavior, bad attitude. I'm yeah. going to get a beating for it from my, from my trainer. But it's not. It's like, okay, well... Uh, so then you become apprehensive about sharing that information and yeah. you just come in and you're like, oh my God, confessional, confessional, confessional. Yeah. And then you feel bad about it. But actually the truth is, is like, okay, well, let's actually look at why these things didn't go the way they're supposed to. Why didn't you do what you were supposed to execute that you know is good for you and you know is going to help you. All these, all these good reasons for doing this thing, but there's always something... That's, there's something here that's stopping you from doing that. So let's actually look at that. Let's analyze mm -hmm. that situation and go, all right, it was this, this, and this. So now that we know that, we can preempt that. You become a lot more aware of that scenario where it means that you don't do the, let's say, the exercises that you need to do to get out of back pain. Mm -hmm. So instead of it being a confession when you feel awful about it, let's just pull out of that situation a little bit, analyze it, and say, what were the things that didn't work out 
why it caused you to uh, do uh, not do the work that you were supposed to do. And now that you know that, now that you become a lot more aware of it, we can um, uh, uh, we can preempt those and make sure that you are doing the doing the things that you need to be doing. So it's like that level of accountability is not about punishment. It's about figuring out how to do how to do your thing as best as you can. Exactly. And I think um, another thing, just with clients and them coming in and doing uh, basically that whole big confession thing is like, um, I often say to them, it's like, I'm not going to put pressure on you. Like, this, is, this is about you. This is about you finding the time to fit these exercises into your life. And me putting a huge amount of pressure on you to get that done isn't going to help you. So it's like, let's work out how much you can fit into your day. I work with a lot of women. Um, and uh, the main say of my clients are probably mothers. Um, so it's like, what, what can you fit into your day? When can you fit it in? And it's almost like you're trying to draw up, not a contract with your client, but almost just like a, like a, if you can do this for me, then we can work and, and get some more done. And so I guess my, my way is that it's, it's maybe not as constructed as yours, but it's like, tell me how much you can fit into your day five minutes, 10 minutes. Okay, great. So these are the exercises that you can do within that time frame. Brilliant. And it's almost like maybe my approach is more like softly, softly, let's try and put it in here and move it around to there and, and just see if they can make that time frame work so that it's, and I'm sure you're the same in, in, in just a kind of maybe a more concise way, but I'm like, what can you manage for me? And then, and then we can work with that. And, and people generally want to do it it's it's during things like holidays and and christmas and things like that where they're like i've done nothing really sorry or or i generally get an idea of a client and their personality through whether they've done the exercises or not and it's like okay mm. how can i help you to get the exercises done if you're this sort of person like i don't know about you but you can generally tell whether they're going to do it or not whether they mm. whether they want to get this done and 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 sometimes people really surprise me they're like i've done half an hour every day since our last session, I feel so much better. And it's like, wow, and you've got a six-week-old. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Right, well, this is what we can do now. This is what we can work with. So mm -hmm. I think it's about learning your clients and their personalities as well and seeing how they fit these it's really like extracurricular exercises into their week to help them improve. Mm. And, like, I mean, you gave a good example there as well. It's like somebody who's got a six-week-old, um, you know, you're thinking, where the hell do you get the time? But they made it made it happen. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, so there's like um, there's like a there's like a level of commitment that comes with the level of importance that you place on the outcome that you're going for. Yeah. And um, and it's just in a lot of cases bringing that out as well. I've been lucky enough to essentially over the years work out what kind of person I want to be working with. And mm. if I'm getting a sense beforehand that they're going to kind of half-ass it, I'm like, mm. I'm not interested. It's, okay. Um, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with that because whatever mm. effort I put in, obviously the other side of the equation is you doing it so that you get the result that you want. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it just doesn't happen if you're, if you're going to half-ass it and then it's um yeah it's just not as interesting 
as well. So I just want, I just, yeah, that's just like, I just want to work with people who <coughs> show that there's going to be a level of commitment um, mm -hmm. to achieving the thing that they want to achieve. And, and when that's there, it's like, that's exciting. You know, there's, there's a lot more um, that works in the relationship when, when that exists. And, um, and it's also up to us to bring that out of the clients as well. Like um, Definitely. before we start to work with them, it's like, you know, they know, okay, this is who we are. This is the kind of person we want to work with. Are you that person? And, um, if you are great, if not, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to be the person for you. And, um, and that works out because then it makes it like you know, with the, with the people that end up working with, they're moving forward and they're constantly moving forward. Even when they have a bit of a back step, they've approached it differently to somebody who would have half-assed it. They've gone, yeah. what can I learn from this? And, uh, and again, it's like, it's up to us to bring that out of our clients as well. Um, but when we do, they're leveling up every single time. And, it's, mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing to see. And um, it's also, yeah, it just takes experience. It just takes a bit of time to learn that this is how I actually want to work with people. And then, you know, I've figured that out and it's, that's constantly improving. That's constantly changing as well. But, um, but yeah, essentially one of the things I'm always looking for is just, are you ready to, are you ready to do the thing that is necessary? And yeah. uh, if you can't convince me of that, then I don't, I don't want to work with you. And I think that's a, that's a really great thing to have. Um, I think it takes, it takes quite a lot of confidence and I suppose all guts to tell someone that you don't want to work with them. And I'm like, that's, that's impressive. I, I don't think I have that ability like you have that ability. Yeah. It's like, mm. and I think it's, it's to do with that initial conversation and how you intake people as well. You know, mm. it's like, I, I do a lot of my, uh, I suppose, intake through emails and more often than not, they're, they're not looking for long term. It's like, three sessions, five sessions, whatever. So it's like, yeah, I can do that. I suppose the way we run our businesses is slightly different um, in that respect. But I really like that, that you're almost, it's like a two-way thing and it's like, you have to put in the commitment and listening to you, I'm like, that's something that I potentially need to get better at doing is that initial conversation and actually seeing if they would be a good fit. Because for me, it's like, you've got back pain, yes, but it's like, You've got back pain are you ready to get out of that pain as well um yeah i think that's an important yeah. conversation to have yeah absolutely and it's like you know they're showing that they're ready on a level when mm -hmm. they've approached you you know that takes yes. a step on a level and it, yeah exactly but then it's, it's beyond that it's like okay you know this isn't a quick fix never is yeah. this is about you changing certain things which are going to change your life so that yeah. you can actually mm -hmm. achieve this thing um yes or no, <laughs> you know, is, mm. uh, there are, there are levels to that kind of commitment, but it's about bringing it out of, bringing it out of people as well. Cause you know, there's a certain, you know, we've talked about it before as well. There's like mm -hmm. a certain level of fear attached to, uh, making the change because as much as you might be ready for it, there's, there's things that you're going to lose from making that change. And like mm. even losing the pain can be a tricky thing because it's scary. Um, it's scary because you're so used to it. It's familiarity. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, here's a crazy thing. It's like, there's going to be tons of people who don't want to come out of lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, they're, got they're used to this way of life. Yeah. yeah. It's that kind yeah. of thing, you, what, isn't it? Yeah, you get used to the way of life. And then so going back into um, 
well, what we consider normal society and mm. uh, finding that again is going to be, there's going to be a bunch of people who's going to be very apprehensive about that and uh, for, for various reasons, but it goes to show like what we get used to, even mm. when like, you know, we're in a situation where essentially our liberties are highly curtailed, even in that kind of scenario, you can get used to it and yeah. going and getting somewhere where you're going to be um, living a better life. It's kind of scary because you're like, mm. there's a bunch of changes that I have to make and I have to lose the thing that I'm familiar with. And that's what happens with pain as well. You can lose that thing that you're familiar with and uh, ends up feeling like uh, a pretty, pretty challenging process, a pretty scary process because of that, even though it sounds logically, it sounds crazy, but, uh, but that doesn't matter. It's about mm. what, uh, uh, what you're, yeah, what you're like as a human being. And it's more than just, it's it's a lot less to do with logic and a lot more to do with our emotions and our thoughts and stuff like that absolutely and just on that as well it's like the brain it relies on predictability doesn't it mm -hmm. and so even for example if you're in pain or you're just in a situation where it isn't great whatever it is um even you know even if it's a turbulent situation your brain feels familiar and is comfortable in that situation or around that feeling of pain or that sensation or whatever it is that you might be going through it's familiarity and it's and and it's predictable so the brain us as as, as human beings we like that predictability we like that familiarity so to lose that and to actually move on and get out of pain or get out of a situation whatever it is is um it's a scary thing um, and it takes strength and it takes mm. it takes a big leap like getting out of pain and actually making steps towards that that could be quite frightening for people so I completely understand that because it's unfamiliar territory and people will always go to the familiar and will mm. always um, even if it's chaotic and it's not the best thing for them potentially they'll always go to the familiar so to actually come away from that it, it takes a big leap and and to make steps it's like we talked about in a previous podcast you have to make those little small incremental steps to work towards that bigger goal and place one foot in front of the other and know that you're you're going to get there and that we are going into uncharted territory within your brain within within your body um and and that does take uh, it is a big day, deal and it takes confidence so if you are listening to this and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to get out of pain, but I don't know how and it is frightening, then, then know that working with a trainer, with someone like us, it, it can be really helpful because we can guide you through those steps and help you when you're feeling like you're on shaky ground and unfamiliar territory. Yeah, exactly. You just uh, you, you catch you and catch you and build you back up and yeah. catch you and... It's just, um, I mean, there's even been situations where like uh, a client has said, like, it's like you, <laughs> they've gone, uh, uh, it's like, it's like there's a predictive power as well. It's like, you know, at a certain stage during the process, mm. I'll just start talking to them about something that I've seen happen at that stage in the process. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you read my mind. <laughs> it's like, I was feeling this and mm. you've already caught it before I've even... Um, that's before powerful. Even, yeah, before that's even amazing. To you yeah. And, uh, and a big one is overwhelm, right? It's like, so mm. I know at a certain stage, somebody can start to feel a bit overwhelmed. 
by you know the changes that uh, they're going through or are required or is required mm -hmm. of them uh, to get where they want to get to and um and then so i have that at that certain point i notice it and i start seeing it come on and then if they're saying certain things then i'll go all right well let's let's talk about this let's get it out of the way and they go okay you know what feels like you've actually it's like you've seen seen what's happening seen what's coming without me having to talk about it mm -hmm. and uh you've allowed me to move through with a lot more confidence that this is the right thing for me to do so mm -hmm. but when you're on your own that's uh you have to navigate that for yourself. You can get stuck for weeks at that kind of place. Mm -hmm. And you just start really questioning, like, is this even working for me? Should I even be doing this? Um, I'm really super frustrated about this. And it's like, you know, I'm, you hit that point where you, you know, if you've tried in the past to deal with this, you've hit that point again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. You're at that point again, you're just like, well, I'm just gonna give up. But actually, because you've had a coach by your side to literally talk you through that and even preempt it from happening, you've got a hell of a lot more confidence that now that you're on the right path and you'll keep going you'll break through that barrier that's always held you back yeah that's great that's really cool um mm. yeah i don't think i have anything else to add to that i just really like that predictability what do they say or what do they do if you can disclose or discuss any any words or phrases that they might say it might be useful yeah so uh, first yeah first thing is is like the habits start to drop off a little bit so mm -hmm. the, the things that they've started doing and it's working well for them, it might start to drop. Um, and uh, so the pattern of, yeah, the, the habits start to drop off is like, oh, no, I haven't, like, say nutrition is an easy one. It's like, oh, you know, I was doing okay, but then I've stopped doing this, this and this and this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that information doesn't just come out. There's a line of question that comes with it. But basically, if, like, the nutrition starts to drop off a little bit, if it's like, oh, I'm just a little bit less diligent with uh, the work that I'm doing, or if you start hearing things like, you know, work is picked up, um, mm, and this, yeah. this, and this has happened. And so you start to build a picture of, okay, life's got busy, and uh, we, need to, we need to address that. So uh, there's that aspect of it. So it's more in, like, uh, the, what they're talking about, how they're talking mm. about it and um, that kind of behavior around it as well. And if it sounds like there's some excuses coming as well, so that's another one. So it's like, mm. oh, is it, but like, you know, this is happening and that's happening and uh, things are getting like really busy. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, again, let's do another situational analysis. These things are working for you. You've pulled yourself out from here, um, pulled yourself out of doing those things because other things are starting to fill your cup. Now mm -hmm. let's reprioritize and let's remember why you're doing this. Basically build that priority back up instead of that thing dropping third, fourth, fifth on the list again. Um, let's bring that back up to number one on the list. It's like, hey, you've got a finite amount of time with me generally. So mm. let's figure out how to make this back a number one priority so that you can keep moving forward and, uh, uh, and, and re reduce that overwhelm. So things that you end up hearing is just like you know habits drop off if it sounds like you know, you know like excuses start to come into it life sets starts to get super busy and yeah. then that's when you just want to pick up on hey let's again pull out analyze the situation let's figure out how you can get yourself back on track that's really cool the power of coaching yeah. right there yeah. but also being able to analyze it and assess it and and know that it's coming that that takes a serious amount of experience as well um, mm. yeah, just kind of like just, uh, yeah. just being in, 
in tune with that kind of thing as well. It's just yeah. like, uh, yeah, again, part of knowing, you know, like you said, man, knowing your client, right? Mm. Is uh, you get to you get to know them through that and how they might be responding to um, certain stages of the journey. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and it's it's a very it's a very powerful thing. And uh, the more you get to know them, and then like you know, the more you get to know your clients, the more you get to know the kind of person you want to work with as well. Mm. Is um, is a, is, is a big one so like you know yeah. you could like you could have okay this person is you know super proactive this person is mm-hmm. um open-minded this person is uh what is it proactive super uh, open-minded and like you you've, you've got a list of them but then if they fall off on like one thing like if basically somebody's a bit too much of a control freak mm-hmm. and is essentially I've had it happen before is like they're trying to tell me how to do my job for them I'm like no no it's the other way around <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this isn't going to work if you're going to do that and so obviously again having learned that through experience is like everything else could be in place but if you're going to mm. be a super control freak it's not going to work so uh, we're going to have to cut that out so Mm. or we're just going to have to cut the relationship basically is like I'm not the person who's going to help you out because if you're yeah. going to be a super control freak about this then how's that worked out for you in the past you know is like not very well so in terms yeah. of getting where you want to get to this is why you're here so let's be coachable let's be adaptable let's be proactive and like let's build those habits along the way as well if, especially if you're not used to doing those things but ultimately, I want to be able to see a glimmer of all of those, all of those kinds of things. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it just doesn't, just doesn't work out. And um, yeah, so that's the power of knowing your clients, so you can know more about who you want to work with, and also know, like, you know, mm-hmm. how you achieve results with people. So maybe that person can get results with a different kind of, different kind of trainer. Yeah, I was going to say um, that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but ultimately, I know this is the kind of person that I want to work with, and. Yeah. I know that these are the kind of people that I can help. So if we're matching up on that front, great. If we're not, then you're better off somewhere else. Has anyone ever come back and gone, yeah, you're right. Actually, your way is better to you. Has anyone actually, like, have you, I don't know, had a Mm. situation where you've gone, oh, no, let's. they've gone, no, let's not work together. And then actually they come back, like, what, a year or so later and gone, actually, your way is is right and can I work with you now please have you ever had that situation happen no never like that yeah yeah, I see what you mean it's it's never been like that I don't know maybe I mean I've had clients who have been away and then have come Mm. back but um, more probably for other other situations yeah not that situation yeah rather than that kind of thing but um, I think partly because it's a difficult thing to own up to as well Mm. right it's yeah. like if you're like, oh, you know, you're right all along. And it's like you, some people might have a bit too much pride, a bit too much ego for it. Yeah. But, I mean, but then again, um, it hasn't happened. It hasn't really happened that much as well. So in the sense that if, um, yeah, if I'm losing, I wonder actually, this is a good question to think if I'm losing a potential client, because obviously there's, there's like, you know, there's loads of potential clients and then oh, there's a percentage yeah, of the potential, come potential back. clients. Yeah. So have uh it's yeah it's usually been for other reasons it could be like financial reasons or yeah. like you know now now they're able to take it on or uh uh yeah it was just something yeah mainly probably mainly that reason it hasn't haven't had it come up for other reasons 
It is interesting though, isn't it? It's like, it's definitely a trait of human nature. Can you go back and admit that you were wrong and actually this is the best thing? Do you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, I like to think that I could do that. Um, I can't think of a situation where I've, I've, you know, had to do it right now, but Mm -hmm. I would like to think that if if I was a client, I could go back and go, yes, sorry, you were right. Um, Mm -hmm. Your way is definitely better. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And And bow down. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Yes, come in, child. (laughs) Come in, but first, you have to bend down on your knees and kiss my ring finger (laughs) and say that you were right all along. Uh, I think if someone made me do that, I'd be like, actually, no, sorry, Uh, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind very quickly yet again. Yeah. But this time for a legitimate reason. Yeah, for, for definitely the right reasons this time, thanks. Yeah. Oh, but if they do do that, then that's the beginning of a cult. And you have a lot of power. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be, I don't want to run a cult. I don't I'm not interested. Come on, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Like, like so many people, not just looking up to you, but worshipping you. What's wrong you. with you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. Who doesn't want to be worshipped? Come on. If you don't want to be worshipped, something wrong with you. <laughs> I'm not sure about the cult thing, though, Tominda. <laughs> Tominda. I love how you threw that one in at that appropriate stage. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's just hilarious just talking about it. Oh, no. about cults like that cults. you just like you just you start to get really concerned about who you just like who you're hanging out with now you're like wait when did why did this become a thing <laughs> well actually here's the best bit about it i've got Go you know, external va- external validation can Go you on. please can you please tell everybody listening why it sounds like a legitimate thing that i could have a cult because of your son <laughs> So, uh, so, like, my poor boy. Um, so last week I was uh, scrolling Instagram, which doesn't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to each, uh, each have our vices. It doesn't. No, it does happen a little bit, a little bit. Um, and I was just scrolling, and then uh, my son was looking at what I was scrolling at, and then he went, "Is that Corinda?" And uh, it was a picture, I, I don't know if I can get it up quickly, but um, it was a picture of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't get yeah. it, I can't get it quickly. It was a picture of Jesus Christ, but it was a meme that was like him pointing. And, yeah. and I just looked at, I looked at my little boy and I was like, no, what? He was like, oh, it looked like Gorinda, mummy. I was like, how many times did you see Gorinda? It's not him. He knows, but, man, um, he knows. I have a likeness to a messiah, is what he's saying. <laughs> I'm telling you, all, all the evidence is stacking up for me to be able to have a cult. <laughs> what goes on in your mind? Are you t- is that what you're like, worship me, everyone? But then you don't have that sort of personality where you're like, I want hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and I want everyone to worship me. You're not really that sort of person. So I'm always like, exactly. what in your brain? <laughs> I love when that happens when it's like uh, when 
you, you know, you, people think you're a certain way. They've seen that model of you like all the time, and then you just throw in a curveball every now and then. It was like, wait, what? Where did that come from? I remember actually um, mm. when, yeah, because you knew me through NKT, through New York yeah, 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 so you've seen me right. basically. Yeah, so you just see me in like study groups. Serious and like very, very like knowledgeable and quite quiet and calm and uh, you know just 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 quite sensible. Go on, carry on. But that was that was my image. Yeah, which is hilarious because like you know you see professional me, and then <laughs> when when you actually got the whoop and we started a team in whoop like of everybody that we knew who had whoop and we were just like hey let's everybody get on get on the whoop and yeah. we had like a bit of banter and you know, just helping each other out with, you know, what the data might mean, all that kind of stuff. And then you finally got it and I threw you in the WhatsApp group as well. And then I started chatting some shit and then you were like, who is this? I was like, what have what I joined? Even... <laughs> no, what do you was remember it? what it was? Yeah, I do. It was, um, so you know the guy that all of you kept sending memes about, the black guy, the, oh, the, the big yeah. guy. And yeah. you sent um, a meme old, and I was wood. like, yeah, yeah, him. And you kept sending them, and I and I was like, "This isn't the Gorinda I know. Like, he's, he's actually quite cheeky." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "This is a better version. I prefer this version to the sensible NKT version. This yeah, is better." That was hilarious. And, <laughs> it means uh, I can be yeah. cheeky. And then and that's happened multiple times to me <laughs> because, yeah, I think it's just. Uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've just had this like, you know, sensible, like straight down. Yeah, right. So it's like, so people just yeah. uh, just think you are that way. And then I remember another time where, you know, where I used to work at the commercial gym, one of the cleaners was like this, like older, like six, six, I think in the 60s at the time, and then just like God-fearing woman. So when she heard me swear once, she was like, Corinda, I didn't know you were like that. And, uh, I probably said something heinous as well. It was probably awful, like between a group of us and we were just chatting and she was so shocked that I could even use the yeah. F word <laughs> that yeah. um, everybody else thought it was just hilarious. And they're like, wait, you, you don't know, like, E.G., what? <laughs> and it's, yeah. yeah, it happens. It happens, it happens, uh, it ha it's happened to me multiple times. So when people do notice that, they're like, wait, that doesn't seem like you. I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, clearly didn't yeah. know you at the, uh, throughout exactly. the NKT time. But then I, I think um, yeah. I think I'm a bit like that. It's like I seem very quiet and sensible, and then you actually get to know me, and I'm insane, mm. basically. <laughs> <laughs> just, Legit just to insane. give you an insight. Just to give insight. <laughs> I'm crazy. Like no one wants to be my friend now. <laughs> no, everyone wants to be my friend because I am nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's funny. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just funny how that happens. You know, it's just like it goes back to the conversation we had last week, which is about perception, isn't it? Mm. Like, you know, perception is just a, slither, a distortion of a slither of reality or whatever it was that I said. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, somebody has this perception of you and then you just blow it out of the water. It's like, wait, you're the same person, but you're saying these completely different words and this completely different body language. Where yeah. did it even come from? Who and, are you? Uh, it's like, hey. It's like, yeah, well, you know, it's an important conversation as well, just to like realize that everybody has many facets to them. Yes. It's just, you know, different aspects of you come out along with different different kinds of Absolutely. people. Different I have, situations. Like, yeah, different yeah, situations. I have, like several circles of friends and it's like there's there's different there's a different me that comes out with these different people. Same. 
What is going to be funny when we go back to NKT and now we know each other very well and then we're like just mm. saying silly things and then people are like, hang mm. on a minute, you two aren't like this. We, yeah. we don't know these people and we'll be like, ah, yeah. ah, 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 ah. it's just yeah. like, hang on a minute, they're different. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> it's like a people? Freaky Friday thing. It's like, it's just, you've had a body swap, like somebody else is in this brain. <laughs> In this mind of yours is like this is not who you remember you being this but, is not um, those two hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's true it's like i have different obviously with your clients with my clients i'm completely different like i'm not hmm. i'm a professional dude and and i don't swear and i'm very very like calm and quiet and on it but then with my old friends they'd be like what no she's not like that at all she's mm. insane do you know what i mean so it's that kind of thing and <laughs> <laughs> it's just different people you're yeah that, that splice of what you're like and perception of reality the whole time mm. and it's not that you are i don't know a, a different person with different people it's just it's almost like you're allowed to be a certain way with certain people you know it's whether you yeah. feel comfortable being like that and obviously when you're in a professional mm. situation you're not going to be um your mental self do you know what i mean like they get an idea that i have i am quite silly but not you know i don't i don't i don't do that with clients so yeah, yeah. well it's like it's like toning toning down certain aspects and toning up other aspects based on the yes. scenario that you're in because at the end of the day it's like yeah it's like if you're just going to act like an idiot um which is you know fun with mates but while you're trying you say to that, like, like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's like Yes, often. It's like, but if you're going to do that in any way, you want to take that into a seminar and try and learn something, it's like, no, it's not going to work. So no, let's, uh, let's just turn the dials on different aspects of the, the personality here. Absolutely. Um, mm. And, I, you know, when I'm trying to learn, like, I've got poker face on and I, um, there's no silly, like, I, I can't, I have to, that's my focus face. Um, and I do it in training as well, like proper poker face, like mm. training training face and like just don't be silly near me because I, I don't want to know because I'm trying to focus and get this done so yeah mm. <laughs> there's yeah just different situations where I will be silly yeah exactly all all has a time and a place like um, tell me so where does adaptability come into it for you because that's um that's what you something that you thought would be a useful thing to talk about yeah so I I watched um the film cast away uh during the week uh, on my rest week and um <laughs> it just <laughs> it just got me thinking about how he had to be so adaptable obviously that's a very extreme situation for anyone that hasn't watched cast away it's about a guy who works for fedex and his plane goes down in the middle of nowhere and he basically lands on um a, a desert island which uh, it amuses me because it's everyone's dream isn't it to be on a desert island but actually it's fierce it's a wild place without anything and it's fierce and it's hard and it's aggressive and you have to be adaptable for that kind of thing and it just got me thinking about uh, am i adaptable am i am i good with adaptable situations like i think we've all been through a, a really big and difficult situation recently with the pandemic and lockdown and have I been adaptable to it and I would definitely say that I'm pretty good with change um, and this was a conversation that I was having with someone during the week about how they didn't think that they were good with change and I can't really remember why it came up but I am pretty good with change uh, I, I feel like you could plonk me in a situation and yeah, it might take me a couple of days, but I would 
adapt well. And now I'm trying to think, why am I like that? And I think it's because I like to absorb the environment around me. It's like I, I'm not very set in my ways in that respect. Like I can, I can um, uh, just try function within a new environment. And and you're going to have to help me with this year because I'm trying to remember. I think this is from Live Wired and a book by David Engelman, but it's about. Oh no, it's gone. Sorry, it was just about. I don't know. Like just yeah, bringing yourself into different situations and your brain. That was it. So say you go on a foreign holiday, and mm. you're taking in so much more information because you're in a new setting and your brain's almost like woken up to to different things and it's taking in things that you might not normally take in in a normal scenario. And I feel like I'm quite good at doing that just in every day. And so I, I feel like I can adapt to, I take in lots of different stuff and it's not just right, I'm on my walk with my dog and this is the same thing and it's very boring. It's like you take in different things every single time. And I like to try and be open to that kind of stuff. It's like, what's happening today? And what's new about this scenario today? And what am I listening to? And and so I feel like, mm. yes, I'm an adaptable person and I think it's a useful skill. Um, but I guess this conversation would be, how can you become more adaptable? And and what does it take? It's like, I, I, I guess I just have that sort of personality where I, I can just crack on and get on with it. And I don't know why mm. I have that personality, but I do. And maybe that's something we can discuss. Uh, yeah, what are you like? Well, like? well, first of all, <clears throat> that you're seeking novelty in everything that you do. Yes, I do. So because yeah. you, you go on like a pretty similar walk, you go on a pretty similar run route each time, right? Yes. Or it's the same, but each time you're doing it, is it like an automatic thing for you to just look out for something different? Or do you tell yourself, oh, today I'm going to pay attention to the color of the leaves or whatever? No, it's automatic. It's like, mm. and that's what that's that's one of the reasons like why I like being creative, why I why I like taking photos, and I'm into photography because when you take a photo, that one moment in time never happens ever again. Do you see what I mean? Mm. It's like the sun's always going to be slightly different, the way the leaves are, whatever it is that you're taking a photo of, and and I guess I'm just I've almost like honed myself to look out for that. It's like what's different about this scenario today, or even when I'm running, it's like, what, not even like, what can I do? It's like, what am I noticing? What, what's different? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I go on a slightly different route or maybe it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's automatic with me. I always mm -hmm. try and take in the new, even when I'm in London, mm -hmm. I've been in London many times, but it, it's like when I was in London the other day, I saw something that I'd never seen before and I took photos of it and, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that's really cool. So yeah, you're mm -hmm. always looking out for, new new experiences i think that's why i enjoy mm, interesting so it's like i mean in your own view as well would you say you're quite an open person yes very mm. yeah yeah and i, I like to yeah, take in new things and i can I, yeah. I i feel like i can handle it as well it's yeah. like i i went traveling on my own and went traveling on my own for a really long time and it was fine. It, it wasn't something that scared me. It was like, yeah, mm -hmm. cool, bring it. Let's and just plonk me in the middle of wherever, and I'll, I'll, I'll be able to figure it out. It might be scary, but I'll figure it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's mostly like you know a high level of openness 
uh, usually translate to a high level of creativity. And if you're being creative, you require the ability to see novelty in everything that you do. So yes. yeah, that's, that's really, that's really fascinating is, um, and what else? So then the person who you were talking about, um, adaptability with, or being okay with change, um, was this person the opposite? Are they not okay with change? Or like, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't a person. It was just. Um, it was just what the film brought up for me. Okay. Um, oh, it no, was just no, that there was. You, you said there was something that you were talking about change with someone else, right? Oh, with or my even, friend. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, no, she wasn't open to change. She found. She hmm. said. She said she found it hard, and she always thought yeah. that she was quite adaptable and open to change. And actually, yeah. when push came to shove, it was actually quite hard for her, um, yeah. just yeah. within so, the situation so is, that she found herself in. Yeah. So this is what I'm interested in: is like what the what this person was saying about uh, what was hard to change. Like, did she kind of a, like? So it was a living situation. It was a living situation, and um, just moving, moving from one place to another. And she was just saying that she thought that she would be fine, but actually, it was harder to do <clears throat> than she realised. And I actually think a lot of people find it harder. If we could maybe place it within what we do, again, it's coming back to that idea that change is scary. Right, and even if it's something that you've wanted to do, like move house or get out of back pain, it takes adaptability to be able to firstly know that you're in enough pain that you want to get out of it, to find someone that you want their help from, but then to actually create this, the, the changes within your everyday week uh, to, to feel better and get out of pain. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to figure out is, is like if you have had conversations with people who uh, aren't as open to change, I'm just wondering like, you know, what it is, what is it about them, what they think it is about them that has made it difficult mm -hmm. for them to change? Is like, has that come, come up? I think maybe, I think it's the amount of time. So with my friend, it was the amount of time that she's been in one uh, one address, one place, and then moving away from that. I think people like to hold on to things, right? Whether it's something's not serving them or whatever. For example, say you're in a living space and it's too small, so you want to move somewhere that's bigger. <clears throat> it's not serving you anymore, but it's actually quite hard to let go of something where you feel comfortable. Again, it's coming back to that thing of the brain's a predicting machine. And even if that space you've outgrown or it's not serving you anymore, sometimes it's difficult to let go of things like that because you're then moving into unfamiliar territory and you don't know what's going to happen and you know in the long run it's going to be better for you but it's scary because it's unfamiliar mm. whereas mm. I think and I don't know why I'm like this but I I almost thrive off unfamiliarity I don't know you could maybe look into that from a psychological point of view but I like looking for differences and mm -hmm. I don't know, I, 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 I don't mind change. So mm. I don't know, maybe that makes me a certain sort of person. Tell me what you think you are. I just want to ask you about you again. Oh, you want to carry on? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also this um, is something else that I was thinking as well, like you said about creativity. 
and my mum was always really sad when I gave up music for good. And she was like, but you were so good at it. And you were, you know, you would, it was the way you were going to go. And you're so creative and you need that emotional outlet. And I was like, mum, don't even worry. Creative is creative. And you can create creativity in whatever you're doing. So I went into a marketing job and I was just as creative, but it was creating stuff that became physical product. And now I'm creative in that I like taking photos and I make that quite creative and I make it quite artsy. So the the creative is always there. It's just, it's just changed and morphed into something else. So mm. maybe it is that I have a creative nature. I don't mm. know. The creative gene is, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's but it's not even a gene because, mm, yeah, I was going to because. say my, my parents aren't my parents aren't musical or, or mm -hmm. massively creative, so I don't know if you could mm -hmm. say it was genetic either. So skip to generation, <laughs> or, yeah. or a few yeah. don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, um, I mean. Yeah, because that's interesting because it's like, so you you kind of crave novelty and you really like it, but that's also, there's, yeah, so you have a higher threshold for novelty uh, yeah. potentially compared to most people because there's there's novelty to the extent where it can be paralyzing. So it's like, there's too much novelty here and your brain just shuts down, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I but, see that. And it can it can yeah that can have a profound effect on you whether it's like excessively positive novelty that can still change you and that can still be overwhelming excessively negative mm -hmm. novelty is like you know everything that you do and like you know say a bomb just went off outside now like everything about that situation is going to be fucked up so there's continuous negative 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 novelty coming out i've been in one of those situations haven't i so i've been in a very negative novel situation mm. i'm in yeah. the middle of a tsunami so carry yeah. on but you know i can describe that for you as well if you like and give you yeah, like, what happened to me afterwards yeah well yeah let's talk about that because we can juxtapose that to you know you seeing positive novelty in every scenario mm -hmm. in every day what did that do for you? So a little bit of background. Yeah. First, so probably because that's a pretty um, big story. Yeah. It's just a massive story. Um, so my friends and I were in Thailand. Well, no, I was in Thailand, actually. And um, we wanted to go to one of the islands uh, within the it's one of the popular islands within Thailand. <laughs> and um, well, I was there, they were like, can you just go to all the travel agents and try and get us huts? in this particular island, the island's called Kopipi. And it looks like a figure of eight. It's like an infinity uh, kind of um, mm. island. It, it kind of goes down and into a point in, in, in the center. And we wanted huts there. And so when I was in Thailand traveling around and I was doing Thai boxing at the time, like I, I went to every single travel agent in the area that I was in. And there, were, there was nothing, there was no accommodation. There was nothing. And everyone was getting really stressed and they were like, oh, just go ring up, find, you know, find some more accommodation. Like, we've got to get there. Like, we've got our flights. We've got to go. We've got to get there. We need these huts there. And it just wasn't happening. So at the last minute, we changed our plans. So this was um, like around Christmas 2004, which is when the tsunami hit. And at the last minute, because we couldn't get 
the huts that we needed, the amount that we needed, we changed our plans and we ended up in Bangkok um, in Thailand. And um, we had Christmas Day there and we had, well, it was Christmas Day. And then I woke up in this hotel on Boxing Day to the whole room shaking, like the whole room was just vibrating. <laughs> and in my kind of weird hungover state, I was like, why are we doing work now? It's 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 Boxing Day. Why why are they why Thailand's so weird? Why are they doing work to the hotel on Boxing Day? And so I got up and I opened the window and it was it looked like it was raining, but it was sunny. And I shut the windows and I went into the other room because we were in quite a posh hotel. I opened the windows and it was sunny. And the the whole building was vibrating at the time. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, and went back to bed. And then the next minute, my mate calls and she's like, um, I don't want to worry you, but there's been a massive earthquake and we need to leave the hotel. And so we all just kind of got up, got out and like put our bags in. <clears throat> and we got into the cab, got into a taxi and we were on our way somewhere else. We were actually supposed to be on the way to the airport, but we had to change our plans. So we went, we were on the way to another, another hotel and the cab driver said, oh, there's been a tsunami or this big wave. And a couple of our mates were, were in one of the islands and, and we were like, oh, that's not good. And then all the reports started to come in about what was happening. And I remember being in this other hotel room and the TV was on and I had like a couple of mates in one side, a couple of mates in the other and I was sat on the bed watching the TV. And everyone was arguing. We were like, no, let's go to the airport now. We're just going to get on a plane. It'll be fine. Like, we don't know what's going on. Everyone was like, just arguing, arguing, arguing. And then this like, scene came up on the TV of just this mudslide. And, there were, and there's no censorship in Thailand. Like, there was just dead bodies everywhere. And there were just people floating. And it was like all the reports were just starting to come in. And it just flashed up on the screen. It was a helicopter shot. And it was just this mudslide. And I was like, oh, shit, that looks bad. And then it just flashed up Co-PP. And that was where we were supposed to be, like in the middle, down, like where we were supposed to be. Like it was just, there was no one, there was just dead bodies floating everywhere. And, uh, and it was like, everyone just stopped and was like, holy shit, we're not going anywhere. This is, this is, this is massive. Like, and then people started calling us, like our parents started calling us, where are you? Are you all right? What's going on? And, and it just, like, and all the reports, like, even though we were in the middle of it, we were kind of removed from it because we weren't, we weren't where we were supposed to be. We weren't on this island. We were in Bangkok. And, um, and the reports just started coming in and it was just crazy. It was very, very weird to be in the middle of what actually, we had no idea at the time, like what was going on. We had no idea just how big it was. When, were you, when you're in it, you've got no idea. Like England had more reports on it than we did. We had no clue. Mm. And then it just started to get worse and worse and worse. And it was it was bizarre being in the middle of it. And like people were walking around Bangkok and we actually went to another island. People were walking around like vets, like they looked like they'd been at war. They were just shell shot walking around. They'd obviously been in the middle of the, you know, the middle of the tsunami. And uh it messes with you. It really did. Like everyone was really messed up from it. No one could sleep, no one would go in the water. Everyone was just just shell shocked, and I had to go to Australia after that. And I just remember being in Australia, like my whole body shut down, like without going into it. I didn't have a period for about seven months, which means that my body had gone into pure shock. Like I was having really weird mm. nightmares. 
I was having stomach problems. I couldn't be near the sea. Like it was, I, I think I possibly had a bit of PTSD to be fair. Yeah, um, sure. And it lasted quite a while. It actually like all of us were quite messed up for quite a long time, considering that we were slightly removed from the situation, but we potentially would have been in that situation had everything worked out. We, we potentially would have died. Um, yeah, we were all quite, all quite messed up. And even now, I'm, I do get a little bit funny about the sea. I'll, I'll look out and check that the, the sea hasn't regressed and isn't coming back in. Like I, I remember I used to cycle to work um, in Sydney, not Sydney, in um, Melbourne. And I would just used to cycle on the promenade looking at the sea, making sure that it wasn't going out and pulling away. Like it was quite a big mm. deal. So uh, mm. yeah, that was um, a traumatic novelty for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, discuss. <laughs> it's like, yeah it take a little bit but you can't take that much yeah. <laughs> that was quite full on no, I, my body went into proper shutdown afterwards mm. and i didn't even really realize the thing with i suppose ptsd is that you don't really realize it's happening it's like my body my body physically was messed up like mm. very strange dreams like my whole digestion was messed up and and yeah just quite traumatized from it all i think but something so i did more... do was hmm. i went back to thailand about four months later and that yeah. really helped i actually went back to phuket which is one of the areas that got hit quite badly um hmm. that i left just before it happened and uh and that helped to go back and and be in that area and know that it wasn't going to happen again hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just exposing yourself to the area again, and like, mm -hmm. mm. so that was more like, okay, you're removed from it. You're in a safe place, but it was the idea that you were so close to actually being there. It was yeah, and but within that, the earthquake, yeah, yeah, and but being really... yeah, I think that messed everyone up. That we were so close to being in the middle of it, and we were so close to. There's no way we would have survived it we would have been mm. washed away in bed 8 a.m that's when it hit co-pp that we would have been we wouldn't have even been awake and we would have been washed away and that would have been it and mm. it's a very very surreal thing to think mm. that had anything been slightly different within that scenario had i been able to book those hotel um uh, beach huts and in that place then then yeah i wouldn't be here but also that we felt we felt the earthquake that the earthquake was literally rattling the the hotel so we were in it but we removed and mm. yeah so not quite in it as other people were but in enough in it to for it to be quite scary i think mm. see i don't remember the aftermath of the earthquake you were saying there were people walking around who had been shaken up by the earthquake as well in, sorry, in not that. Bangkok. No, sorry. That, so I hadn't really explained that. So after a while, when you're in the islands or when you're in Bangkok, you just see like these people that look like they've been at war. And basically they have survived, say, being in Phuket, which is one of the areas that got hit. And they, mm. they survived being in that area. But they come to mm. another island and they just looked shell-shocked, like what the hell just happened? I mean, it, it, was, mm. it was huge. Like, was it 300,000 people died, I think? It was, it was huge. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Like, um, and yeah, how long did you have to be there for before you went off to Australia? 
Um, uh, we were there for about four weeks. Even yeah. after that? Uh, so there was a tsunami hit and then we, we went to another island. We changed our plans because uh, this was the weird thing. At the time, we didn't realize the impact that it had had. It was just like a big wave. Oh, my God, awful. But then as we got onto this other island, the reports started to come in and they just had the news on every night. And it was like, this is huge. And I know we must have been there for about three, four weeks. And then I went to Australia after that. Yeah, right. So another three, four weeks after the whole mm. tsunami. Wow. Mm. And then, yeah, I think that's like, yeah, that's a lot of... Uh, like you pointed out, is like, yeah, that's what happens when you get a lot of negative novelty, right? You just mm. get, you end up with something like PTSD. And without realizing, though, I think, mm. Mm. you know, you don't really, it's only now that I talk about it now that I'm like, I potentially had a bit of PTSD. Um, yeah, I just at the time, like, I suppose probably one of the big things is when your period stopped, that that's like a high level of stress that you, have no idea that you're dealing with like for a woman like when mm. when your endocrine system starts to slow down and falter there's a problem um yeah. so yeah yeah fully that's madness and like yeah it's you know it's like going back to the whole like novelty in the brain thing is really interesting because mm. your brain's always trying to in, in predict the best course of action for you, right? So it's, yeah. it's a mostly a predictive machine in the sense of keeping you alive and keeping you surviving and helping mm -hmm. you navigate through your environment. But it needs novelty as well to excel and yeah. for you to excel as a human being as well. It needs like newness and challenge. And it's this interesting cycle that the way I view it is um, you gain more novelty so you can predict more things. You know, it's like you're looking for novel scenarios so that you become adapted to those novel scenarios so that you can mm -hmm. have a better predictive uh, model of the world. And so that's that constant, that's why you, that's, uh, why you need novelty is so that you can become a better predictor. Mm. And which, which is, yeah, it's interesting because the, the thing is it wants to stay as, as good a predictive machine as possible. It doesn't want the environment to change so that you feel you are safe, but at the same time, it needs novelty so that you become better at being safe as well, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that to me is always so fascinating. It's like a constant kind of, uh, it's a reminder, like the brain, need, the brain likes to stay where it is because it's got, it's, it's quite an energy, energy intensive organ. And so the more it has to process, the more energy it requires. And from an evolutionary yeah. perspective, we're looking at it as uh, our function is to try and conserve as much energy as possible. So when you're going through a novel scenario, you are expending more energy, but you need to be able to do that so that you get better at uh, conserving energy overall. Like it's like, you know, it's expanding, uh, expanding your boundaries out again so that you have more of a comfort zone. And, and that's the point of growth, essentially, right? Is like, uh, you know, there's, there's no, it's not growing for the sake of growing. It's like, you know, every time it's like, you know, but what is it doing for your growth? It's like, yeah, but that's not the point. I don't, I feel like there's something missing and everybody's, everybody's talking about just growing. It's like, you know, this is important for your growth. It's like, yeah, but why do I want to grow? It's like, that's, you know, growth isn't the, isn't the outcome I'm looking for. The outcome I'm looking for is to be better at something or to, yeah. again, 
going back to what we talk about is like getting out of back pain or to be a better human being or to be better at this or have a better life you know be have a higher level of skill in the things that i really like so it's never about just this growing for the sake of growing and that's kind of like a and that for me relates to life in that kind of way as well. It's like, okay, this is what your brain does so that it can become a better predictive model. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what you're doing through life. It's like, you need that novelty and you need that challenge so you can get better at life. And so you can do more with the life that you're given. And what's interesting there is, is you know, that's clearly a case, what you went through is clearly a case of too much novelty too quickly yeah. and it shuts you down. And yeah. your next seven, eight months of life was not a good experience. No. And uh, so that's where it's like that graded exposure to novelty comes into it. There's certain people who can handle loads of novelty all at once, but it's... Um, I don't I mean, think it's it, especially in a negative situation, like you look at, you look at army soldiers and, and, and war veterans and they've had experience of similar situations or scenarios where it's unpredictable and they don't know what's going to happen and it is, it is a, it's a dangerous situation and they come back and they have high high levels of PTSD and they don't know how to function within society and, and within their life so I mean mine was a little bit different to that obviously but um mm. there's, like a, there's like a high suicide there's a high suicide rate amongst veterans as well right yeah so like because just like you can't integrate back into society is like your purpose for your environment is like okay you being on high alert was suitable for your environment when you're in a mm. war scenario and you might die any moment, but then you bring that back into everyday life. It's um, and you're struggling to adapt to that. Then, um, yeah, that's gonna you're out of sync with your environment, and that uh, yeah, that is that, yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> and isn't that something to do with like the the interception interception thing that Huberman talks about, where if your internal sensation is quicker than your external you'll know this better than me but you know like when time feels like it's going slowly but inside you're wound up I'm wondering if veterans have that where they're they're so on high alert and they're so vigilant and they're hypersensitive to everything but the external world is going slowly and you're gonna have to explain this bit for me G but it's there's a mismatch of sensation and interoception to their external Mm. environment right Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you did a good job. Yeah. Okay. No, that's essentially it. That is essentially it. It's like um, on an everyday level, it's like you and I could like, you know, we might be in a rush to go somewhere, mm. but then we get held up like, you mm. know, okay, say I've got a really tight, I've got to be somewhere in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tube, the tube journey is like, you know, city map is telling me it's going to take me 22 minutes to get there. So I'm trying to do everything I can to like cut corners to get there in sure. 18 minutes. So I'm like two minutes at a time. And so when you get to the tube station and then it says on the, on the sign, it's going to be five minutes till your next tube comes here. That five minutes feels like fucking forever. Because you're just like internally, like you described, you're wound up. uh, But external world is, um, is telling you, you've got to wait five minutes. So that five Mm -hmm. minutes feels like the longest, uh, a really, really long time because you're passing time a lot more quickly internally. Uh, versus what the situation is telling you externally so there's that mismatch and uh, so yeah, you have that mismatch and then you're not able to um, yeah it's it I guess it has stuff to do with adaptability as well but um, you have that mismatch and that's why you have that feeling whereas yeah. if you know I was in sync with my environment then I feel pretty calm it's that beautiful balance between calm and alert 
And uh, whereas oh, here, no. that yeah. pushes you to being agitated, so you're too alert, you're not uh, calm enough, you're high arousal and uh, negative valence, or you go the other way and, um, you know, you could be super chilling and mm. time is moving quickly outside of you and you're just like, whoa, can't believe time moved that fast. Um, you can get them in different scenarios. But it, I think that's yeah. really, it's really interesting <laughs> to explore because there's times where like, you know, entering a bit of a flow state where it happens to me in conversation, the, the most obvious times it happens to me is in conversations. And if I'm doing, uh, uh, doing jits as well. So doing mm. jits yeah. is because that's a skill and there's a skill acquisition. Then you can be rolling with certain kinds of people who are just above your level. So you're, you know, you're hitting that challenge um, novelty sweet spot, that ch uh, challenge to skills sweet spot as well. It's like, okay, it's like a little bit beyond what I'm capable of. So it's making me focus a little bit more. It's yeah. novel enough because I'm training with different people. Um, it's a physical challenge. There's, I'm using my whole body as well as using my mind. So you're like super present and then time just like, you yeah. feel like you've entered a time warp. And, yeah. Yeah. And you can just go that. through, end up far far away <laughs> and yeah. uh, that happens with um, conversations to me as well especially Definitely. where we're exploring things where again it's at the edge of my capacity i'm like i haven't really articulated <laughs> this before so let's just see where it goes or you've made me think of something new and i'm like okay things are lighting up in my head mm -hmm. and i just need to figure out where i'm going with that and uh, it happened to me and my housemate it happened to us several times actually um there was one particular one which was hilarious because like we sat down, we were just, I, w I was finishing lunch or uh, yeah, I was basically finishing lunch and he came in and started chatting to me. And then when we looked at the clock, <coughs> it was 7.30 and it was dinner time. Oh my God. Um, Where did the time go? That's nuts. Yeah, we just, yeah. I love we just, it. We just like six hours had gone, literally six hours. It's like about 1.30 when I finished, when I was like finishing my lunch and then it was like six hours away. How did that happen? I feel like, mm. you know, it's crazy. When you put that into context, right? You've, it's like six hours are gone. I could fly from here to Dubai in that time. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So when you put it like that, you're like, what How? just happened? That is I insane. Love that. And, but uh, that's yeah, a beautiful so, thing though, isn't it? That you were, yeah, you exactly. were so in, involved in this conversation mm. that time just i love that sort of stuff and i yeah. feel like films yeah. do that to you as well you know if you're so yeah. involved in the story yes. it's just two hours three hours goes by so quickly or <laughs> i have it with music as well it kind of just yeah. transports me elsewhere um yeah fully but yeah so, so that's like <laughs> that's really interesting because sometimes time can feel like it's going really slowly while you're mm. in that phase but also in that sense like in those instances it feels like it goes really fast so I'm trying to figure out like what is that difference you know what makes time feel like go super slow so i could look at the clock and be like sounds like feel like we chat for six hours but it's only it's only 2 30 now you know instead of yeah. instead of 7 30. so it's like where would that difference why is that difference but um you know when you said that is like you can lose yourself in a good movie oh god it's, like, <laughs> it's just uh well no it's true but when when the movie's good bad. <laughs> yeah when it's then, bad it's like oh but, my god but, it's like yeah because i watched uh we watched justice league a couple of weeks ago right or a few weeks ago whenever it came out and lord have mercy <laughs> it's, like, it's a it's a four hour movie right and you're thinking yeah that's what they did it's like we're doing a recut we're releasing this recut is oh, no, no, it's, it's well 
here's the thing is like for example a Nolan movie right or like you know Dark Knight for me Dark Knight Rises was not good I, I was disappointed in that movie because I okay. just feel like it wrapped up the whole franchise in like a or the whole trilogy like franchise is wrong where this is definitely a trilogy it wrapped up the trilogy mm. and just like this I it was just trying to be too neat it was trying to tell too much of a story it, all all at once and it was two hours 45 minutes but it goes by super quickly right it's okay. like you can watch that movie in two hours 45 minutes and you're like, I can't believe that's gone by. And right. to be fair, I think it would have been an excellent movie if it was actually four hours long. That movie needed to be four hours long and it wouldn't have felt like it was four hours. Okay. Whereas Justice League, God. We got a, like, uh, we wanted to watch it in two stages, right? We were like, okay, we'll watch one on Saturday evening and watch one on Sunday evening. Right. And then when we got to Saturday evening, we were like, okay, yeah, we'll pause it here. So, you know, we probably just got, we're halfway through, we've got a couple hours left. When we pressed pause and we looked at the time, it was like, wait, it's only been an hour and 10 minutes. What the hell? How slow is this film? It's like the pacing of the movie is completely off, right? right. And it's like, it, it's, oh God, it's, uh, there's just so many things I could say about it. I want to, like, there's so many people who are loving the movie up as well. I'm like, are your standards that low? That's all I keep oh, thinking wow. of. Like, from, a, from a purely structural point of view, this movie, to me, I'm sorry to say, because it's a difficult thing to make a movie. It's a difficult thing to do it well. And that, it was just trash. It was just oh. utter trash to me. Wow, disappointing. And so, yeah, which was, it's super disappointing. And then I'm like, how did, it's like, this felt so slow. It was so long. It's like, how is anybody sitting through this and going, this is amazing? Because the, oh, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, oh, I'm going to go off on it again, aren't I? It's like, there's, there's too many characters and they're trying to tell the stories of all the characters. Oh, that's why it's so long. Which, which don't have their own movie. Um, it's also long for no reason at all as well. It's like the, the length. <laughs> it's like, I was thinking there was going to be substance to it. Like I never watched the theatrical cut because I heard so many bad things about it. So I thought, right. I just, like I heard this new cut's going to come out. I'll just wait for that. And I thought, okay, it's four hours long. There's going to be a lot of meat to this and it should feel like it goes by. And I'm like, nope. This is just shit. <laughs> it's, it's not getting any better. Oh, no. It stays like this really odd pacing and it just keeps like, um, uh, it's like there's moments where it's like you know, a bit of action then it's just like nothing for ages and it's, it was just all over shop. So yeah, yeah. there's uh, when you feel like, oh, this is a long time has gone by, uh, but it hasn't. And that's in the worst, worst possible time. It's, it's the like worst when thing. When you're at mm. work, that often used to happen to me, often used to right. happen used to happen to me when I was um, working in the music industry and you'd look at your clock and an hour had gone past and you thought it was like the end of the day and no, it's only been an hour. It's just, oh, awful. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I don't get that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You make your own time, make your own schedule. Like, yeah, exactly. this is good. Great. Yeah. That's a good time to leave it. It's yeah. a good time to leave it when we're talking about time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Appreciate that, Kablamo. You're welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to my uh, yeah. constant rants. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? It just gets us thinking about different things. Yeah. And um, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Is like if you got something to say about this episode, please let us know. Get in touch with us over Instagram at Evolve Achieve Thrive, and um, you can find us on Facebook like that as well if you prefer. Uh, let us know what you think of the episode. And if you're enjoying the episodes, enjoying the podcast, please uh, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast medium of your choice, wherever they do ratings. Like Podchaser is another one. Um, and uh, yeah, please subscribe to the show through the 
uh, app that you use to listen to podcasts on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, you name it, we're there, Amazon Music. Uh, give us a give us a subscribe, and then that way you can be notified every time an episode is released, so you don't have to miss out. And um, yeah, let us know what you think of uh, the podcast, and uh, we look forward to catching you next time. Yeah.